This morning, we're just so excited uh, to have our newest global worker from Generations Church. We, uh, we just brought them on um, as, uh, as part of our, our team of, of global workers that, that we support and are involved with and pray for. If you haven't seen our, uh, our missions map uh, out in the foyer, I want you to to just uh, take a, a look around and, and find it. It's actually on the stairs uh, from my right as you, go out for, uh, as you go out the doors. It's on the right-hand side. And all of our global workers are on there, uh, everyone we're involved with and support and pray for with a little write-up and, and a map that we're, we're working on a, a little bit uh, as far as who's on there and where they're from. Um, but, but take a look at that and, and uh, get to know our global workers. And we're so excited to have uh, Gary Heinrichs with us here. And um, Kathy uh, wasn't able to come this morning. She's feeling under the weather. And they've got a, a huge weekend this weekend as well as uh, all, most of our global workers gathered in Victoria with us at our general conference this week. And so they're doing some things this weekend together. Um, I've known Gary probably for the last uh, eight years, um, uh, coming out of Alberta, but they really have a lot of ties to, uh, to this uh, area. Uh, years ago, uh, Gary and Kathy were on staff in Coquitlam uh, with Pastor Gary Fricker and, uh, of course, Arlene uh, Hollenberg uh, is, uh, has quite close relationships to Gary Fricker, uh, being uh, his daughter, and uh, they're in our church here, and, um, and even Eldon Clegg also attended that church back then and got to know uh, Gary and Kathy, and uh, Gary's got some family uh, in Nanaimo, and, um, and so he's not new to, uh, uh, to some of us here in, in generations, um, but he's new to most of us, and he's uh, part of our, our new Global Worker team. So we're so excited that he could be here with us uh, this morning, and let's just welcome him as he, he comes and, and shares this morning. Praise the Lord. It's good to be in the house of the Lord. Amen? Amen. Well, I'm Gary Heinrichs, as Dallas was talking about, and Kathy is very sick. So this will be the first time at this itineration that I'm actually speaking alone. So I'm a little bit nervous because Kathy plays a very big part. She's my better half, and so she's my security and my rock. So uh, I'm missing that right now a little bit. I'm a little bit vulnerable. So uh, we're missionaries in Costa Rica, and our ministry is to the indigenous people of Costa Rica. We work on the Caribbean side on the Panama border, and the indigenous people, in fact, the government... They don't even know how many indigenous people live in the mountains because they have their babies at home and, and whatnot. And so that's where we work. And sometimes we have to backpack in. Sometimes we four-wheel drive in. Sometimes we, uh, we, we try to have people carry us in, but that never works at all. Um, they're, they're shorter people. They're only about this big. So when I ask them, could you carry me? They, no, that's not going to happen. And so uh, I said, how about can I ride your horse? And they said, no, that's not going to happen either. You have to walk like the rest of us. <laughs> okay, we can do that. So today I'm going to share with you, I'm going to teach you some bri-bri uh, words. So in Costa Rica, it's all in Spanish. So we could say, buenos dias. That means good morning. Dios te bendiga. That means God bless you. In bri-bri, it's sibu be kime. All right. Oh, it's getting a little bit harder, right? It's getting a little tricky here, right? So sibu be kime. Sibu be kime. 
Hey, you guys are pros. Hey, it's pretty good. So when you're walking into the jungle and we're on our, we got our backpacks on and we're going in out, women understand that the indigenous people love to carry your pack. So my wife loves that. So one time I thought I would pack my wife's pack full and just have a little bit in mine. And they're like, no, I like your pack, Gary. And I'm like, oh no, it backfired because they, they know who I am. So when you walk through the jungle, you see somebody along the trail, you'd say, Ishpeshkena. Ishpeshkena. That means hello, how are you? Or buenos dias. It's all of those things. If you're youth and you're cool, you just say shkena. See, that's, that's when you're really cool like me. I walk around and go, shkena. You know, and they're like, shkena, boy. And so they would respond back, boy, boy. Boy, boy. So shkena, boy. There you go. That's their whole thing. So when you're walking through the jungle, you yell out into the jungle, ooh You guys are good. Yeah. Now, wait a minute. Now, wait. We're going to try this out. So I would yell, ooh And way back in the jungle, you'd hear the response, ooh So let's try that. You guys are in the jungle, and I'm the missionary. So, ooh Ah, that means I get to come to your house and visit with you and pray for you. That means everybody's dressed and it's okay to come because they all kind of live outside. So you want to make sure that you yell, ooh So I was going one day and I yelled, ooh and nothing came back. So I asked my indigenous friend, Big Dan, and I said, hey, Pastor Dan, I said, why did they not respond? He says, go again, go again. You can do this. Do, do a lot of bravado, like give it some strength behind it. Give it some masculinity in there. Okay. Ooh, nothing, nothing, nothing. He goes, he goes, escuche me. Listen to me. Let me try this. He goes, ooh, and immediately, ooh, he says, I think your accent's off. I think that's the problem. So, so my wife, we can also say mishka ua, which means let's go home. Mishka ua, let's go. And so I would say mishka'ua or shkena, and they would respond boy boy or all of those things. So one day a, a person came up to my wife and she said, uh, how are you? And my wife says, ua. I said, honey, that doesn't work because that means house. So you just said, they said, how are you? And you responded house. And I said, you have to learn the language a little more. She goes, I just like the word ooh-ah. I can just keep it right there. I said, well, that don't make any sense at all. So, but anyways, that's your little bri language for the day. There are eight uh, tribes within uh, Costa Rica, and all of them have their own language, and none of them can talk to each other with their native language. It's all completely different. Uh, but thank you, Lord, that they all attend school to some degree, and immediately upon entering school, they begin to learn Spanish. So the, the hard part is doing children's ministries because we have to have the moms there then to translate into Bribri for the children. But all others speak Spanish. And so that's a great blessing to Kathy and I. So today we're going to talk about five areas. Uh, one of them is uh, from death to life, the spiritual influence. From bondage to freedom, discipleship program. From the tomb to the throne, the Bible Institute. From separation to reconciliation, leadership program, uh, and then the building program. And so from death to life, and I thought the spiritual influence, I thought I'd just go over a little bit about what it is as missionaries that we have to overcome and kind of the work that we have to do initially with the indigenous people. So we all know in this room, most of us anyways, that lost sinners are not simply sick people needing help but they are dead people needing life. 
And if you can keep that in your mind, that they're not just sick people, you're not just bringing care to them, you're actually bringing life to them. And that's amazing. The jungle is a dark place. It's a closed place. It's a, it's a crowded place. And sometimes it's hard to look out over anything. And so these are people who are needing light. They are needing life. And that puts a great responsibility upon us as Christians that we take that responsibility and we, we are the bringers of life into a dark place. The Son of God died that we might receive life through faith in him. As we begin to work with the indigenous people of Costa Rica, we notice that they knew nothing at all about the Bible. No stories, no verses, no chapters, no, no nothing about the Bible at all. I went into the jungle and I began to teach on, a, on some illustrations with David and Bathsheba. It was an, appoint, an important subject that we needed to tackle with the indigenous people. So as I began to teach, my wife was looking out over them and stone faces. Well, that's indigenous anyways. They're not really emotional people. So I just kept going. So my wife finally raised her hand and says, wait a minute, Gary, I'm going to ask them the question. So she asked the question, do you know who David is? Do you know who Bathsheba is in the Bible? Do you know the story at all? And they all went, no. They know absolutely nothing about the Bible. They are beginners. They are children that we would say that they need to start Christianity 101, the, the Bible, the, the, the kinders, if you will, in your churches. Not only that, but they have the Baha'i that have influenced in, or have uh, come into the jungle. They have the Jehovah Witness. They have their tribal religion. And worse than that is when they take all of those things, Christianity, Catholicism, uh, Jehovah Witness, the Baha'i, and they mash it all together. And so none of them really have a clear picture of who Jesus is. And so what we need to do is start to unravel that ball of knots and separate it and, and move it around so that they can clearly see. You know, the Bible talks about how God brings down mountains and he fills up the valleys. And to me, that it's a, a great image of what we're trying to do as missionaries. We're bringing down those mountains. We're filling in those valleys. Why? So that you can clearly see the moving of God's hand in the area. Alberta's that way. We joke a lot, right? When your dog runs away, you can see him running for five days. You know, if your kids want to run away, go ahead. I'll be watching you for this week. And they're not going anywhere, right? And so that's what we want. We want to bring the mountains down, the valleys in, so we can clearly see the hand of God and begin to show them who Jesus really is. And so that's our job as a missionary when we go into the jungle. A lot of times they'll go see the bruja or the brujo, which means witch in Spanish. And there'll be a line outside the house to seek the counsel of a witch, Sometimes those witches will tell them, you're having a problem with your neighbor? Bury a toad in his yard and put a hex on it. You know, we've had people bury toads in front of uh, our Christian friends. And our Christian friends, I don't know why they want to bury toads. But if they want to bury toads in my yard, they can go ahead and bury toads all day long in my yard because I'm a believer of God. I'm a child of God. And toads don't affect me. They stink a little bit after a while, but it's still just a dead toad. And that's where it goes. But that's what the witch doctors have them convinced they need to do. It's, it's, uh, it's incredible sometimes what people will believe. Every person we believe, Kathy and I, has a void within them. Every person born on this planet was created with this, this pocket, this void within them that only Jesus can fit into. 
Now they might try to put the Baha'i in there or the Jehovah Witness or Catholicism or, or a new car or a new motorcycle or a new home or a new canoe, a new pair of shoes. They might try to jam that void full of whatever those things are, but it will never fit. It only lasts for a little while. I love new cars. I don't know how many of you like new cars. As a missionary, sometimes we like to just go sit in them because they smell so good. And so we just go and we sit in the car and it's leather and it smells so wonderful. And that just fits in my void, you know? I'm like, this is nice. But then, you know, I think if I buy that truck, I know I have two boys, right? And they like tacos and burritos and all that stuff. I know that in just a few months, that new smell on that car is gonna be gone and it's not gonna be filling that void anymore. So only Jesus can fill that void within the lives of humanity, within the lives of people. So that's where we're at as missionaries. Kathy would read the sermon if she was here in John 5, 24, and it says, I tell you the truth, those who listen to my message and believe in God who sent me have eternal life. They will never be condemned for their sins, but they have already passed from death, where? To life. And that's what we bring as missionaries. That's what you bring as a sending church. You bring life into those areas that are dark. My second point this morning as we move on is from bondage to freedom. And this is a discipleship program. And this is the part that I'm very, very passionate about, discipleship. Because remember, we talked about how we had to go back to basics from the very beginning. Well, lost sinners are in bondage to the world, flesh, and the devil. And we know that as Christians and cannot free themselves. It's impossible for an individual to free themselves. You need the Holy Spirit. You need Jesus to bring about that happening. In Christ, you have true freedom, true freedom that comes only from Jesus. Now, God is working in you and through you to accomplish his great purpose. Because of their lack of knowledge, which we talked about earlier, uh, what is going on in, in their lives, the lack of knowledge in the Bible, the lack of knowledge of stories, chapters, and verse, we began to introduce a program, a discipleship program. And the discipleship program was very, very basic. It's one I found online. It was absolutely free. But the first six lessons is, Quien is Cristo? Who is Jesus? And that's perfect. That's where we begin to take apart that that uh, ball of string that's been all knotted up and we begin to separate that. And so as we begin to separate that, they clearly see who Jesus is. And it is amazing that when we pass this material to the pastor, the pastor's chest, we, we were there to watch him teach the first course and his chest popped. I've got, I've got, I've got material. I, I know who Jesus is and I'm gonna teach him who Jesus is. And the congregation was like, that's my pastor. He's amazing. He is a genius. He knows how to look up things in the Bible. And so they're teaching each other how to look up scripture and verse. The pastor's teaching away like crazy and everybody's happy and rejoicing. They're finding out who Jesus is. It's incredible. We started this uh, discipleship program about five months ago. We thought we'd start out with 2025. The pastors called me back. We need 77. I'm like, 77, I better check my budget. We gotta be printing out 77 packets here. But we did, and we gave it to them. Now we have, then it went to a 90. The next time I asked them, how many more you need? 90, we need 90 now, we're short a little bit. All right, now, okay, I went home with 90. And then I called them back again, I said, how many do we need? Gary, just make 120, because we're over 100 now, disciples in the program. We need help. 
And so now what we're doing is we're going to be crossing over into the into the other side of the river, and we're going to begin to uh, multiply the discipleship program on the other side of the river. And by the end of this year, we'll have well over 200 people in the discipleship program. Praise the Lord. Amen. Amen. Give the God a hand clap. With this material, we're also seeing, uh, we're seeing the Baha'i convert to Christianity, receive Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. We're seeing Jehovah Witnesses. They don't stand a chance, brothers. They're coming into the, G- into the family of God as well. We're seeing Catholic, uh, Catholics converting into Jesus, uh, seeing who Jesus is. They're receiving Christ as Lord and Savior. We're seeing whole families for the first time in the jungle being awakened in their spirit to who Jesus is and what he's done for them on the cross, receive him as Lord and Savior. So not only do we have over 100 people in our discipleship program, but we're seeing people being converted. And that's what we want. Why? Because it's new life. It's not medicine. They're not sick. They're dead people needing life. And that's what's important. So the discipleship program is just absolutely amazing. I'm so thrilled with it. We just recently bought a motorcycle. And uh, we, I'm so excited because I love motorcycles and I'm very adventurous. But uh, to, to get into the jungle, we can now put the motorcycle inside the canoe, take the canoe to the other side of the, the river, and then I can take the motorcycle out and I can drive and minister to all the other pastors on the other side that would take us normally hours to walk to or to get in a, a banana truck or whatever to get there. So to, to, to help you out a little bit, we would take a banana uh, boat for 30 minutes downriver or upriver, whichever direction you're going. Then we have to get into a banana truck and he would take us to our first destination. And then that would be it. But now I can go over my motorcycle and I can visit multiple areas for the kingdom of God just because I have a motorcycle. Isn't that incredible? Just a little tiny bike that I can pick up with 15 other guys. No, not that heavy. It's just a tiny one. It's not a Harley. It'd sink the boat. That would be awful, right? Let's put the Harley in there and the water starts coming in the canoe. That would be awful. My next uh, point would be from the tomb to the throne, the Bible Institute. Now, this is my wife. Oh, man. They call her the mother bear. Anybody starts messing with the Bible Institute, my wife raises her hand and starts talking and taking questions and asking questions. And everybody says, shh, quiet. The mother bear's asking questions. And it's really hilarious to watch how my wife can just speak out in authority for this. But the Bible Institute, we, we just love this. We have scholarships for these pastors who have never had formal training uh, in, in Scripture. And so we are hoping that a certain percentage from the discipleship program will overflow into our Bible Institute. Because every church... Main church in the jungle will have four to five other Campo Blancos, which is church plants, but none of them have pastors. And so we're kind of at a stalemate right now because we have all these churches, but no pastors. So what we decided to do is to start this process with the process with the discipleship program, the Bible Institute, and then later on we'll talk about the leadership training. But the Bible Institute is wonderful. Last year we began to invest in pastors and leaders who were already in the Bible Institute with scholarships that would help their tuition. We also began to come alongside the director and professor uh, as we work with him so that he's organized, so that he has records and proper marking of papers and all these things. Now, this guy has committed himself to this. And, you know, he, what, he hardly had any food in his house to feed his family. Like rice, they just eat rice and beans. So when you barely have rice and beans in your home, you know, you're cinching up the belt. And so what we did is we added his 
a little bit of money into our budget so that we could pay him as a national worker so that he could at least feed his family and uh, be able to travel out and do the work that he needs to do because it's not a Bible institute where you just go to, but he has satellite places all through the jungle that he needs to travel to. And so that's what we decided we would do with him. There are now students in first and third, uh, second and third year classes. This year, God willing, we'll see some graduates from that. These are the same Bible uh, classes that you uh, might have had if you went to Bible college. I did. They go through homiletics, pneumatology, uh, you know, Old Testament survey, all of those things. And they're excellent classes. They reminded me of when I was in Bible college. They are the same caliber. And that's really important because in the past, they wanted to bring the level down so that the indigenous people could graduate and feel like they've earned it. But Kathy and I said, why would you bring the level down when they're very smart and intelligent people? If anything, let's raise the level on these people, not bring it down. So they're getting the same education as every single pastor in Costa Rica. The level is not going to be down if my my wife, the mother bear, has anything to do with it. If we're going to do anything, we're going to force more discipleship program to bring the level up so that they can enter appropriately into those classes. These students are growing in their ability to teach sound doctrine. That's a big thing there, uh, sano doctrina. They, 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 they want to make sure that they are preaching the right word, the correct word, the word of God, the word of truth, and they want to do it with responsibility and integrity. That is in their hearts. We absolutely believe in sound biblical education, and we are passionate about helping students meet their goal in graduating, and we can't wait for that day when they graduate. It's just going to be absolutely amazing, and they're very, they're very particular in, in the jungle about these things because even with the discipleship program, two of them weren't there, and so none of them got a certificate. The pastor says, nope, 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 nope. Everybody gets, goes through the lessons, and then they get a certificate, not before when they get done. And I said, yeah, but it's okay. Nope. No, that's the way it is. That's just the way it is. And we're like, okay, you guys set the standard. We're going to be behind you in that. And so it's the same way with their Bible Institute. We will not graduate until we have full marks. When we have full marks, then we graduate. Then we have learned. And so I'm very proud of them. They're wonderful people. Uh, Number four, we're going to go into from separation to reconciliation, leadership program, and I'm passionate about this as well. And so you can kind of see the process now from discipleship to Bible Institute to leadership training. Leadership training is very important to us. And Jesus Christ, believing Jews and Gentiles are now one. The barriers have been removed. Remember, the mountains have come down, the valleys have been filled, and so now we're all playing on a level ground. It's like a soccer field in Costa Rica. They make sure every blade of grass and everything's perfect because they want that ball to flow true. You know, no bouncing sideways and stuff. It's not a cow pasture. It's going to be perfect. And so that's what we're playing with. We want a level playing ground. We're all one. Again, we did not want the pastors to only focus on the biblical classes, but we wanted them to expand their leadership skills. We didn't want them to sit idle. We wanted them to keep moving forward, moving forward. And so last September, Kathy and I had the unique opportunity to get into one of our, uh, uh, into the zone, zone 8-1 at the ground level. There are no other Pentecostal missionaries there. It is just her and I. And we got in on a brand new zone. The Assemblies of God of Costa Rica just now said that Alto Talamanca is our first indigenous zone, zone 8-1. Brand new. And I said, well, are you guys going to send help? Are you guys going to be there? And he, the Pastor Ricardo put his hands on me. The President Ricardo put his hands on me and says, we're sending you. 
vaya con Dios. And I went, oh, great, here we go. So I, we're it. And so we go in there and we want to bring leadership training to all of them. We had already worked almost two years in the zone, but new indigenous leadership was appointed. And so we began to attend the sectional meetings. So uh, for uh, many opportunities have arisen that we can begin to teach and to train in really easy stuff like event planning, very basic, staff meetings, revolutionary. I mean, honestly, they're like, wow, that was so great. I know what's going on in my church now. And by Campo Blancos, I said, yeah, you just need, it's a little bit of organization, so we go on. So staff meetings, and in church and church plant organizational skills. For instance, you don't plant a church just anywhere in the jungle. It's not going to succeed. But if there's an elementary school or some kind of school nearby in that town, and you plant a church, that church will succeed because there's an elementary school around. So now we're strategically looking for schools in the jungle, which there are, way back in the jungle, two days walking, five days walking. There'll be a little school, like Little House on the Prairie, where all the students go to the same school and we want to plant a church there where there is no church. There is no churches in these communities at all. These will be the first churches ever to be there. My wife was the first white woman to be in some of these communities. It's amazing. We took uh, Fort McMurray in and there was a person from Africa there and they just wanted to touch him. He was like, they're like, wow, that's like chocolate. This guy's amazing, right? And uh, good luck, he loved it. His name's good luck, so in Spanish, that'd be buena suerte. So what's his name? Buena suerte. No one names their kid good luck, come on. You know, and, but it was, and he was so grateful to be there, and he just absolutely ate it up. It was amazing to see them do this. So these towns, are, or these communities are brand new evangelized. Just clean slates, campo blancos. We recently introduced the Global Leadership Summit with Bill Hybels, and we are going to be holding two-day video sessions in Spanish when we return back in August on one side of the river and then also on the other side of the river. We're going to start introducing these leadership skills to them. They are just so grateful to have anybody come and to share with them the wisdom of God's Word. Our last one here, and I don't know how I'm doing in time. I think I'm doing okay or not. Awesome? Okay. Some churches have a countdown. This one's counting up, so I don't know if I'm okay. <laughs> counting up's good. You know? So uh, the, the last one here is building programs, and I love building programs. Believers are members of one body, citizens of one holy nation, and a living stones in one temple. Did you hear that? All of that is that we are one. You are one. With me, and I'm one with you. The churches in, 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 uh, in, in Talamanca with the Bribri and the Quebecer uh, tribes, they are one with you. You have brothers and sisters in the jungle. How many of you knew that you had a brother Bribri or Quebecer? Anybody? You didn't even know their name, did you? The tribe. <laughs> but you know how to say God bless you now, right? Cebu. Ah, it's close. We're practicing again in a little bit. Cebu <laughs> Bekime. So we are all one now. Building programs are, are just amazing. We have this other lady, uh, Pastora, that works in 7-1. We're branching into 7-1 now, and 7-1 is with the Quebecer tribe. And what she's done is she's began to build a, uh, she, they built a church right on the border of the Quebecer land, and then just, uh, it's a banana plantation for lack of 
better description for you guys, but the plantation is, uh, it's immense, it's huge. If you don't have a GPS, you won't find your way out of a banana plantation. It's, It's gigantic. So she planted her church there, built the church there with her husband. Church is starting to fill up and everything, but she noticed in her community that people were living in homes made from plastic, like tarps, dirt floors, leaky roofs. When it rains in Costa Rica, which it does a lot, the floors get muddy on the inside. They have children, unsanitary conditions. So she took it upon herself to promote to her church that if we would all come together as one believers, we can begin to build homes in our community and we would all prosper through this method. And so some of the people in her church would bring old pieces of wood. Another person in the church would bring a sack of nails Another church would bring some gravel and some sand. Another one, a sack of concrete. Another one, some hammers and some belts or whatever that they would use. And they would begin to build these homes. These homes aren't very big, maybe 12 by 12, just small. But at least they're dry now. And they have a concrete floor and a small kitchen. And they feel good about what the Lord is doing. And their church is growing and increasing. So Kathy and I decided, you know what, that is such a fantastic vision. We're going to get behind you and help you with these homes. We're going to help you with your church. That is amazing to us. Now understand, Kathy and I, we do the 50-50 program. We only match them whatever they have. So if they have 50% of the material, we'll match them with the other 50% of the material. And that's how we do it because it's not our home. It's not our project. It's their project. And they need to take ownership of it and feel, feel good about themselves and what they're doing. So we always match whatever it is they bring forward. Sometimes they have big projects and we say, oh man, we shouldn't open our mouth about the 50-50. These guys are starting to think. So what we did was we began to look and we, we find money. We have clever ways as missionaries to be searching for these kinds of project money. And so we would match that. Sometimes it's a house that's just very small and we would help match that as well. The 50-50 program. One of the other things that's great is teams. We're hoping from a team from you guys' generation. Teams are just absolutely amazing when they come. The Brevery love working with people from Canada, and here's why. The Assemblies of God of Costa Rica, the Assemblies of God of the United States that work in Costa Rica. Now I'm going to brag on Canada a lot here, so just hang on. So they bring teams down, but they're not permitted to go into the jungle. They have to stay at a hotel and come into the jungle and do the work and go back and forth. So they're, they're scared to eat their food. They're scared to drink their water, and they're just there for a little bit and leave. Not Canada. Every one of my teams, I've given them the option. Believe me, I like air conditioning in a hotel somewhere. So I try my best. Wouldn't you guys like a hotel? We as missionaries like hotels. They're like, are you kidding me? We want to go in with the people. So we have this place, they call it Cinco Estrellas. And it's just this big three-story hotel that moves when you sleep in it upstairs. So it's a little rickety thing. And you put your tent inside the room because there's no furniture or anything. You put your tent in there with your air mattresses and you're just so secure in that tent. You know, no bugs or nothing's going to get you and it's wonderful. And all of our Canadian teams, that's where they stay. And when they, they, they eat the food, they drink the water, no one has ever been sick No one has ever been injured, but what they come away is a fullness, a richness of being able to work in the jungles with the Bribri people. Hand in hand, the Bribri people are constantly there. Can I help? I want to help. I want to work with a Canadian. Gary, Gary, come here, come here. Translate this for me to them. Gary, Gary, translate this for me for them. And so I'm just, Kathy and I run around in half English, half Spanish. Sometimes we just start making it up. It just goes uh, because we're so confused. And so, but they just love it. It's wonderful. 
One time I was speaking to a lady, a white lady, and there was a, a, a bribri, and I looked to him, and he's talking to me, and so I turned to her, and I spoke to her in Spanish, and I turned to him and spoke to him in English, and he says, hey, 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 I'm the Spanish-speaking. She's the English-speaking. And so we had to get things straightened out there a little bit. But God is amazing, and teams, oh, they come home with such a rich experience that they can evangelize their home. I'll give you a testimony. Uh, back when I was in Coquitlam, we started taking kids to Mexico. And uh, I began to share with this team and, and letting them know that if you can do it in Mexico, you can do it in your own community as well. And so two of the girls lived in a co-op, and they said, you know what, Gary's right, we're going to do this. They evangelized every single person in their co-op. We went from one Sunday having 10 people in our children's ministry to having over 50 children in our program. And then we had a problem, we had to buy a bus. And they were just, okay, our our co-op is done, we're looking at the co-op down the street. That co-op happened to be full of Muslims, and it was so interesting. We'd go there on Wednesday, open the door, all the Muslim kids would run and jump into the bus, and I'd get ready to shut the door. And I said, no, I better wait because here comes the moms. And the moms would be shouting out something in their language and then all the kids would get off. Next Wednesday we'd show up. We'd open up that bus. We said, we got to act facts, guys. So the tracks were going out to every kid sitting in the bus. And then five minutes later, the moms would scoot them off the bus. And so we had this little five minute church on that bus every Wednesday from our church, but we did it. We did it. We were consistent and we started to see people one for Jesus. And so that's, that's teams. That's what happens when you invest in going and seeing what's going on there. The Brebri people feel so energized to think that there are people in Canada that care about them. It, it absolutely blows their mind. We tell them, there are churches praying for you, and they just like, we cannot believe that they would pray for us. They don't even know us. I said, but they're Christians. They love you. They're praying for you. So I want to share with you a little bit about uh, as well for, for the 100 points of light as, as well and, and share a need that we have, not just me, but lots of missionaries, but we can talk about me. <laughs> so, but one of the things is that we need help. <clears throat> we, we, God has really just been exploding our ministry. And so we need the help in the areas of youth and young adults and children ministry. And we have thousands of kids, and that's not an exaggeration, that will come out of the jungle from everywhere. They'll take two days to hike to an event. And we put them up in the, the five-star hotel that we have or in churches or wherever they can stay uh, to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so we desperately need help in that. A few months back, I preached a sermon on something that the Lord shared with me. And it was, uh, the the words just came to me is that if you would do what is possible. Now I'm a crybaby pastor, so if I start crying, don't, it's just the way it goes. Uh, But uh, if you would do the possible, that I would begin to do the impossible. God never asks you or me to operate in the impossible. And the reason is, is simple, because it's impossible for us to do that. But he does ask us to do what is possible. What is possible for you? Is it possible for you to welcome people at the door of this church or to vacuum the carpets or clean the bathrooms of the church? Sure, those are things, those are possible things. Is it possible for you to sweep the parking lot or look out for the parking lot, those things are possible. Begin to do those things. Is it possible for you to simply bake a cake and give it to your neighbor just because they're your neighbor as a demonstration of love? That is possible. 
For some of you, maybe God's talking to you and you're, and you're hearing him say, it's possible for you to be a missionary. And you're responding back, that's impossible. God says, no, that's possible. That is possible. This whole process that Kathy and I had, we just put our faces down and began to work. And when we looked up, we had this process. We didn't make that process. I don't feel like I could take credit for that. We only did what was possible. And when we looked up, we saw the hand of God working in the impossible. So it's possible for you. I would just ask yourselves today as you walk, is it possible to sacrifice maybe a Starbucks or Tim Hortons to support your mission program or your youth program or your teen program or whatever it might be here? Is it possible for you to fast just a little bit of coffee, a little bit of going out to eat? just to support that. There's a lot of you in this room and and that would go a long ways, I know. And so that's what I'd like to challenge you with. Do what is possible. I have a scripture here that Kathy and I do and I'll close with this. It's in uh, Ephesians 2.10. And it says this, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works. Now remember that. This is the last part. This is the part that we hang on to, Kathy and I. Christ Jesus, for good works. Now here it is. Which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Isn't that amazing? When I wake up in the morning and I go into the jungle, I don't think about snakes. I don't think about being shot. I don't think about doing any of those things. Why? Because God has already prepared good things for me to walk in. He has prepared those things for you to walk in. It's already there. Our hardest job is to walk in good things. Isn't that amazing? Whatever comes to your mind, bake a cake, have some cookies, take a person out for coffee, your neighbor, just because you love them in Christ. And you don't even have to preach to them. You can just find out how many kids do you have? I have kids. Do you have grandkids? I have grandkids. Just start the active conversation. Amen. Thank you guys so much for bringing us on as new missionaries. We appreciate it so, so very much. And we thank you guys so much. And on behalf of the Bree people and the Quebecers and the other tribes that we eventually will work with, they thank you too. You guys are amazing at bringing the word of God into a dark jungle. Thank you guys.